This is Thomas DePolo. This is Max. This is Kevin Ham. Hey, this is Jake Cook. Hi, this is William Roy. You're listening to The Green Box. Today on Greenbox, we are discussing a topic that is very near and dear to my heart. What should you do when you give a oh, vital clue? Oh, talks over and... you when you're giving a vital clue? No, I was just saying that because I thought it would be a funny gag to deflect. Yes, this is this is the issue that we're discussing. And this is something that I'm sure lots and lots of people are now thinking about because we've probably seen a huge shift to online play where people interrupting each other is very common. Yeah. As the guy running the game, that can get pretty difficult to deal with if you're trying to deliver information and people won't give you the right of way. Or even if they do give you the right of way, but they give it to you after they realize that they've interrupted you. And I think in person, a similar thing can happen. It's not not usually directly talking over, but like some other distraction. Like, oh, yeah, hand me some D4s. Yeah, what was that? You know, like that, not as common, but I think we can maybe tackle the same problem in person as well. Yeah, possibly related and not necessarily talk to, talk over you, but um, you you say it. You'd say whatever it was that you were saying, and they weren't listening because they had something they wanted to say, and then they just go right back into their monologue. <laughs> yeah. Which I think might be even be more common. So I have I have a uh, I have an answer for the question I'm going to ask, but I'm curious. The obvious the obvious solution is just tell them again. But right, like why doesn't that work? I think most of the time it's fine. The issue is that if you are the kind of person who likes to present a bit more of a naturalistic world, which I'm not always like that. I would prefer to bend reality just a little in order to make the game flow better and to make. To, to stop wasting time with stuff like this. But I think there is there is something to be said. There's an issue where if the players notice that you are repeating a detail two or three times and getting real irritated when they talk over you, then that is might be like shooting up a flare saying this is where the actual action is. And sometimes that's good, sometimes that's what you want, because it's it's like kind of a stealth signal to the players that the thing that they were trying to talk over you about, like arguing about the dis, you know, how many, where, where people are going to sit in the car is not important, but the thing that you're saying is. So we used to do this thing in the military, and maybe other folks do it too, but, you know, most people in the military, when you're taking any kind of like class or any, learning anything, there was going to be like a quiz at the end, like you're doing a training, and, the, and at the end of the training, you had to take like a 20 question quiz to prove you paid attention. A lot of people worry about that. So instructors will usually do something super obvious. We usually we'd stamp our feet. We'd say something like, "Hey, you know the the color of the boat is orange." Stop, stop, stop! And like, "Hey, hey, idiots! This is going to be on the on the on the quiz." Um, partially because you know why would should anyone fail the class that they're being you know told they have to take and they're getting the training, and partially because you're trying to allay their anybody's fears. Like, you idiots! This test is super easy. It, you know, a moron could pass it, but you're going to do it. So. It's kind of like you're marking, like sometimes you do want to kind of mark a clue as like, hey, fools, pay attention to this, you know, stop your feet, you know, say it a couple times, big flashing lights, dramatic, you know, lightning strike in the background to your Roll20 audio, etc. But sometimes you don't want to do that. So what I was getting at with uh, knowing the answer to the question I asked is I would be really concerned 
I find it really satisfying when I lay out a few clues and the players start to figure it out and then get to the aha moment. Like when, when they are impressed by that, it makes me feel like I did a good job. So if I repeat it, you know, again, or I, you know, go back over it or something, I'm, I worry that I would give too much away and like, I would like hold their hand too much. I don't want to do that. It sort of gives the game away, doesn't it? Uh, having to repeat a clue. Cause like, if it wasn't, it's like, it's like you were saying, Max, if it wasn't important, why would you repeat it? There are certain details in the game world that are automatically flagged as important if they are gated behind the use of a skill. If we're talk if if we're talking about like things that are tagged as important by virtue of being brought up in their own right, except, rather than as part of a general descriptive text. Like if you if you, basically if you ever have to use alertness or human to find information, unless the person running the game is deliberately seeding uh, chaff, that's usually gonna be where the action is. And you can invert all of this and use it to your advantage when designing scenarios. Because if you're like me and you think that wasting the player's time is bad, then there's nothing wrong with ensuring that the important stuff is called out in relation to the it, it, relative to the background but if you're trying to run something like like if you actually want to make an exercise where the players themselves have to deduce things rather than uh, just hoovering up clues then you got to start thinking of how to present information in a format that allows them to, to do the to do the deducing and probably the biggest the biggest issue with that is is always anything that's like visual you're gonna have a lot of trouble with because players aren't going to notice that there's a piece missing from a puzzle on the table because they can't see the puzzle on the table. Yeah, without rolling and t- or having them roll or just straight up telling them. And yeah. if you tell them that, then obviously it's a vital clue they have to remember. I, th- I think, you know, you can kind of sidestep the problem. I mean, talking over one another is a problem that you should fix regardless and, you know, figure out a, a, a way to, to do that. Like what? Uh, and maybe, we, maybe we can, yeah, maybe we can talk about Kevin, that Kevin, it's been three years and I haven't figured out a way to, to fix it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but a way to kind of sidestep the problem is, you know, if you if, if you've been following the advice we've been giving you for the past Christ three years of this podcast, um, then you should you shouldn't have any one clue that everything hinges on. There should be three clues everything hinges on, so they can miss one by stepping on you or not hearing it or not paying attention and still get the other two clues and be fine. That's obviously a high bar, but that is definitely a goal. So you know, I would posit even if you hadn't planned for it, if they miss your first clue, maybe rework it and give it to them again in a different way so that you're not obviously signposting it as, you know, super um, important, but you're still giving it to them. Sidebar, if you've been following the advice we've been giving on this show for the past three years, you were very well prepared for the year 2020 as far as your tabletop hobby. Yeah, exactly. So this is the year we don't have to preface everything with, well, this is the way that we do things playing online. It may not be necessarily the same at your table. Well, welcome to this year. But anyway, so, you know, ways to try to avoid, uh, you know, the talking over aspect. I have, I haven't really tried it, but I do find that in, in work meetings, when everybody's on camera, we step on each other less because you can see when someone is like, answer, like getting ready to speak or like is finishing up their sentence and like sitting back in their chair kind of thing. Not a hundred percent. And obviously there's overhead on top of that because everyone's got to be on video and that's not what everyone wants to do. That is a solution. Has anyone else had any success or do you just... Just roll through it and do the best you can. I usually find that the audio and the connection are already bad enough without consuming more bandwidth with the video. Yeah, it's not ideal. Well, I mean, the thing is, though, is that um, 
through some platforms it's better, but through Discord. Uh, ha- have you guys ever tried using the Discord video? Because I actually haven't. Yeah, yeah, I've used it. How is it? Because all I've heard is that it, it, it degrades the call quality as you go. I don't know. I've used it a couple of times. I've never had any issues, but I've also got a supremely fast internet connection, so I, I wouldn't notice. I'm the guy who would notice with my 10K internet. Yeah, exactly. I knew Roll20 has built-in video, and it's, it's Roll20, so it's probably absolute dog shit, but that's an option. I've never used Roll20's video. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 try to, I try to delete their audio as fast as I can every time I join a new game. I definitely don't want the video trying to do anything, but, but I've certainly seen like recorded actual plays that aren't like produced by, you know, professionals that are just clearly just somebody recording their screen as everybody's talking and they're, you know, they're all right. So that could be a solution. I don't know if Discord, so I know in some voice over or IP programs, like um, I know TeamSpeak used to do it. You could give some people a priority speaker so that like the, the handler if, would be speaking and if someone else keyed up. I would... very strongly thought about giving myself priority speaker on Night at the Opera and I haven't done it because it's too egotistical even for me. Well, I think every it's almost like every handler should have that for the game they're yeah. running. Yeah, yeah, that's not a bad idea. For for us, that's not practical because we run, we're on an open table on an internet website. But if for you with your personal friend group, it might be a good idea. You, the listener. So looking at, so so Discord does have that option. Discord does, yeah, and most other most other similar uh, programs have something analogous to it. So yeah, so there's one possible technological fix. One way to rather neatly sidestep the problem of spoken descriptive clues being missed of course is to have handouts that have the clues in them yeah and not only does that solve your talking over you problem it also solves your how can the players deduce it themselves instead of needing to be told problem because if you have a handout that they can read and examine then they can find all the clues themselves inside of it yeah we've i think we did a segment about handouts about physical handouts and uh, i i will briefly reiterate my opinion physical handouts are great if you have time to prep for them you should use them they really add a lot yeah, handouts are huge. And honestly, even in something like Roll20, you know, your handout doesn't need to be fancy. I've seen a lot of folks make these really sweet, like, splash tables with, like, you know, whole cork boards and all these, like, things. All your handout needs to be is some type text in a, in a handout box that you can show to the players whenever you want. It or doesn't need to be fancy. not even that, or even just, like, an MS Paint drawing. Yeah, exactly. And even in person... An MS Paint drawing of a house where, like, hmm, this, this is weird. There's this one little spot in the corner where it looks like there should be another room, you know? Yeah, and even in person, you know, yeah, if you have time, you know, you want to type up the guy's, you know, type up a phone transcript and like, you know, find a real one and make the syntax look all right, great. But otherwise, just type it, you know, in shorthand or type it in, you know, basic A, B, A, B, A, B and print it a notepad and call it a day. Your players aren't going to, your players are going to be, you're going to be your worst critic. Your players aren't going to care. They're going to go, oh, cool. We have this data to harvest now. Let me use it. One other technical fix that sort of addresses the problem from, from the side a lot of people find that it's difficult to listen to a voice if there's a lot of background noise. So uh, as the handler, if you find that your players are often asking you to repeat yourself or they're missing clues, I, I, I say you always should check your levels before you do anything, but I'm a perfectionist and not everybody even knows how to do that. But And this this, this also goes for, for anybody playing in like an online voice chat game, not just gms but uh try and minimize the amount of background noise that your microphone's picking up whether that means closing the window whether that means using push to talk stares intently at night at the opera but will how will i immerse people in my home if i can't let them hear what's happening around me yes we used to play i used to play games with this guy uh and he was notorious for he would stay in at the time i think it was ventrilo so it dates me uh he would stay in vent all the time 
and he would be like at work. Yeah. So two or three hours later, so we'd be playing the game, and he would come home, crash around his house, microwave <laughs> stuff, like cook, candle Kevin, pots Kevin, and pans. Kevin, you've told us this story because I know how it ends. It ends with him screaming at the mic, at the microwave, and and all the other let users laughing at him because he gets really angry at it. I I have a new story. That's better. It's possible. So today I was on the phone trying to activate my Citrix login at my new, my new job. Gross. They don't do that for some reason when you get on board. You have to call their tech support line and have them switch it on for you. Yeah, of course. But anyway, the the first line IT tech who I get off the switchboard, of course, is working from home. And this person has the worst phone I have ever heard. Like, all I can hear is crash, bang, wibble, wibble, wabble, wabble, static, stack, and then occasionally... <laughs> like, fucking... Geez. So I... I get it about three or four lines into into his script, and then eventually I go, you know, I just I'm I'm gonna try this tomorrow, and and just hope I get somebody who has a real phone. Yeah. So what I do is is while he's is while he he mumbles his next question, I say, "Nexion, Pete yourself." Nice. Losing, and then I hang up. So uh, to- totally an aside, but uh, when you edit this, leave this in because people should know this. If you have Citrix installed in your computer and you find that some games are crashing. Citrix interferes with some games. So just if you're getting a weird crash on launch of some video game you're trying to play, it's probably Citrix. Don't ask me why. It just happens. So anyway, talking of each other and clues, I, ha- I, ha- I have kind of a segue, but I don't know if, we're, if, we're, if there's any other thoughts on clues and stuff. I think that, that um, if you want to take us to a more productive place, that's great. I have one final thought to add. Go ahead, Will. I don't like having text as a secondary channel for GM player interaction during a game. But if there's a lot of crosstalk, um, if if you the, feel comfortable doing that, that can be an option. Just to, like, send, send a quick message to somebody and be like, hey, you didn't leave that window closed or whatever. Uh, just my, my personal advice would be try not to do that too often and try to stress that in most circumstances, players should not expect to be able to bypass the verbal conversation by bombarding you with text messages. Yeah, because the problem as the guy running the game is that I can't monitor both a text, a text chat, and a, a a voice chat at once. I've tried, I've tried while doing this show, like I've tried to edit documents that we were talking about while we were talking, and it, I, I can't do it. So it's good for between players, but it doesn't really work for the um the 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 in character actions. Tom, any advice? Uh, no, I don't think I have anything to add to that. Have you ever had issues with players missing clues? Are you missing a clue? Uh, not really that I can think of, no. I forgot to give players a clue once, and I realized re- way too late. I, I'm trying. It was early on in my career as a Delta Green uh, GM, and I forget what. Oh, it was the. Um, I forgot to. In Last Things Last, I forgot to give players the key to Bauman's. Ah. Uh, cabin, or I, I forgot to give them the cabin at all, right? Um, because I think I thought I thought it came up somewhere else, or I don't know what it was. I, I was I was having this miscommunication, so, so I just spitballed it into like when they when they left in the his apartment in the car. I had them get. I had, they were doing some more research, like on the internet, and I had them find the guy's ca- cabin that way and like break in. So it worked out fine, but I halfway through I was like, oh shit! <laughs> so I was like, maybe maybe they'll go back inside. <laughs> That's good. Good good thinking on your feet. I've had a couple of instances where I've had to sneakily shoehorn a clue in because I forgot to give it to people. Sometimes they notice. And, you know, and I've said this a lot, you know, sometimes it's okay if you if you did make a mistake. If you can get it in, in gameplay, that's great. But if you can't, be like, hey, guys, you know, time out. I fucked up. I'm going to give you this clue now. Or you pretend you got it, you know, 20 minutes ago. 
and let's keep moving. You know, that's better than having your whole game like off the rails for the next two hours. So don't be afraid of that either. Segway. So I had kind of a similar, I don't know, it's sort of a related question. Let's say that you have a, a climax of a scenario that is, say, uh, you know, uh, make it simple. You know, your players are going to go attack this. They have to go into this cultist compound and, and, you know, fight some cultists. And you've planned it to be, you know, an encounter that your party, you know, your team is, you know, a, a couple badges and a couple librarians. And you've, you've, you've made it so that they can go in there and they can get the job done. It's not like a thousand cultists, right? But in your description, the descriptive text, or in your describing things, or giving them clues, you've kind of oversold the danger, or you've kind of spooked your players into saying, "Hey, you know what? Like, we can't do doing this is suicide. Let's just leave and have someone else do it, or like let's call for reinforcements, or you know, they don't want to engage." And I wonder if this is different from your players are just too scared to engage. It's like you, as a handler, kind of screwed it up by spooking them too hard how can you walk that back i would have a hard time even like time out in the game being like time out guys you can actually do this because they'd be like no way man you said there were you know machine guns there you know or what you know whatever you did so like what any, any advice on how to maybe walk that back and it could maybe it's not the combat maybe it's the you know how tough the bad guy monster is or maybe it's how hard the encryption on the hard drive is to crack or you've oversold something how do you walk it back that's a good question because I remember two scenarios that where this happened. I remember one where we were waiting outside the like compound full of bad guys, and we said repeatedly, both in and out of character, we can't go in there. We're like scientists and physicians and shit. And so we basically waited until the GM told us that like it was still under construction, so a lot of the bad guys just went home. And the other case was one where we fought a monster and it had like this special supernatural damage resistance that made our guns do nothing to it. And then later we got a phone call that it was attacking some NPC and um, like the NPCs in that game had been so completely useless to us and just completely unhelpful and the monster was invincible. So I just called the case officer and said, yeah, this NPC is going down the drain. We're not doing anything about it. Do you know what the like intended action there was to be like the intended action was for us to go fight the monster because apparently it wasn't actually invincible it just happened to resist all the damage from when we shot it that can be a tough one where like something may have um may have a lethality resistance to being shot with like uh, a small gun but you have no way to know if it's resistant to everything unless you start shooting with bigger and bigger guns monsters that are damage resistant is another good one where like if you haven't clearly signposted it you could really spook your players you know spook them in the wrong way because you want to spook your players a little bit like you know there's this fine line between like you want them to be wary but not gun not so gun try that they don't engage but you don't want them to walk in you know kick in their front door and like guns blazing because you know we're gonna be a little apprehensive so if, I could, if i could wind us back a little bit so we're at yeah go nuts. The, we're at the moment before the climactic confrontation the, the players have been given the dramatic call call to action and they have decided no nah, it's not worth the risk so in that moment um if i'm running that game and if i've realized that i have way oversold the threat i would be looking for dynamic things i could change or could have happen that would either give the players an advantage they didn't have a moment ago or assuage their concerns about a possible threat that they were imagining. I'm reminded, for instance, of the, the sci-fi television show Battlestar Galactica, the new one, in which um, they're, they're watching these, um, these Cylon Centurions, these big killer death robots, and there's two of them, and they're building a little radar array. And they look and... Um, 
they they go and, and check out this other like where where their their ship had crashed and they see three of them there so they go oh shit there's five Cylons we can't possibly beat these guys but as they're doing that we as the viewer get to look back and see two of those three Cylons leave and go back on patrol so there really were only three Cylons it's just the two were going back and forth between two fixed positions and they just didn't watch long enough to see the shift change that's a good example i was thinking about maybe like give your team some useless reinforcements yeah yeah you know back your team up with with a squad of grunts that ultimately don't accomplish you know help you kick in the front door and then you know get shot up or get pinned down behind cover or you know yeah yeah those guys the cops are definitely shooting you know they're shooting cultists yeah yep. yeah the cops roll up on the cultist house because somebody called it in as a meth den just by by coincidence they happen to show up while you're staking the place out Actually, that's good, actually, because then that becomes that also becomes oh shit, these guys are going to get slaughtered. We got to we got to help them. Yeah, that's true. I want attention. I know it also allows you to a lot of times in this case the players will call the case officer and be like, help. Like if you don't give us reinforcements, you know we can't do anything. And he can be like, well, I can call the police in there, but then they're going to go in alone. You got to back them up. That's good, actually. Yeah, and that that, that also uh, that also touches on the thing we've we've often talked about, which is the cover story. Well, what are you going to tell those those police officers when they go in the cultist den? You got to have something to tell them. Yeah, this is a, a fiddly one because there's there's such a fine line between, in my mind, there's such a fine line between uh, you know agents who are just cowards and agents who are rightly saying, "I'm not going to go in there, you nuts." I mean, I say that as a handler, but as a player, I know what that line is. I see it all the time. And I'm always right. I'm all, I'm always right as a player when I say fuck that. I'm not doing it. Even in scenarios where you're playing like you know the adapted to uh, violence badass, it's still very easy. Not very easy, but but if you if you play the game long enough, you kind of get the like genre ability to recognize when something's like a double cross or a trap or whatever. And then you get into the case where Delta Green is not. One of the one of the issues that you, that your your Delta Green your Call of Cthulhu have is that there are games that only work when there's like a current a certain amount of like built-in character stupidity, like characters who are willing to go out and do dumb shit. That's what makes the game fun. But mechanically, you are always punished for that. And there's people in the world like Tom who are always willing to bite the apple. And those are the people that we as handlers like because that means that we can actually put crazy shit in our games and have it get used but i think that maybe it's just because the i think the people that we play with tend to be a lot more savvy because um it's just like the same group of delta green super fans over and over yeah i've definitely seen like new players or gen con players you know who are not part of the same like shared community do more wild than crazy things uh, be a little more out there so uh you know so, I mean, so i suggested you know g- giving the players some kind of advantage um any other thoughts on like walk, walking back the the oversell you know, actually what else what also works um is a solution that we've discussed before on the show in relation to to a similar problem you know the 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 calling and reinforcements and declining to to kick down the door yourself kind of thing um I think the same solution works. You, you let them call in reinforcements and tap out. You bring out the super operator, tactical, SEAL team, shoot man pregens. And then as the GM, you then take that, that final confrontation and amp it up and give them the level of threat they were expecting when they called in reinforcements. And if you do it right, they'll never notice. I never, I never thought about just meeting their, their horrifying expectations. Maybe that's... Uh... Maybe that's the best answer. I know, uh, you know, we talk about last things last a lot, you know, because it's kind of the starter Delta Green scenario and, you know, it's good fodder for it. But I've seen this problem happen a lot of times, not a lot of times, but sometimes when players make assumptions based on what's in the footlocker, 
they assume that that's what's in the septic tank, and they're like, no way we do anything with that. Like, we're going to get a bomb and nuke it from orbit. Blow this sky devil back into the sky. Yeah, exactly. Despite the fact that none of them know what a sky devil is, or have any, you know, like, you know, any idea what the sky devil's relative power level is. I mean, I'm going to be honest. If I heard the term sky devil and I had no no other context for it, I'd be pretty fucking terrified. So we've talked about, like, using another... Uh, Delta Green team or like the Outlaw team as as a lever um, can be kind of lazy, and I say that as someone who has done it multiple times, so I fully recognize that it can be lazy or, or it can work. Um, you know, if your players are stalling and you, if you know the threat isn't as bad as they think it is, maybe you just got to give them a kick in the pants in terms of you know maybe the cultists see them you know see them you know uh, maybe the cultists see them casing the compound and. Come at them. You don't have a choice. They're coming at you I, right I now. I thought you so. were going to say maybe while all the players are, are surveilling the compound, the outlaws show up and they go in. Yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, that too. You got always got options. You know, a, a truck with a, you know, a van that says, you know, uh, Grelta Dean shows up and a bunch of guys with MP5s loaded with glaziers jump out. Wait a second. What are they doing When they get that wide range of fucking attachments. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I, I do like the flipping the script and having the um, the the, def- the entrenched... Uh, adversary sally forth and engage the surveilling agents whether they like it or not I, I do i do quite like that because that takes the players from a passive role and puts them into an active one yeah yeah and again you know what the threat is you know that it's appropriate so you're not you know you're not st- you're not sending a hundred cultists out to just kill them it's just we've kind of been talking about like you know clues and i, I guess mistakes the wrong word but mistakes also the right word you know as a handler any other things that have come up for folks recently that they want to try to game out I think if you have a full session of investigation and it ends with the players saying we don't want to get in a fight, I think that's fine. If that's the end of the session, if you have a good endpoint and they've had fun doing investigations and shit, you don't have to make them responsible for the ultimate kinetic action against the, the bad NPCs. You can say that this one session of gameplay was good and you got through all the content except for the violence. When I ran uh, a couple of my Gen Con online games and like that, when I ran Who Killed the Case Officer, they spent the entire time slot finding clues. And by the time they want, they 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 wanted to to like do some some shooting and fight some people, but we were at the end of the session, and so uh, the case officer said, "All right, they well they well they could have clearly gotten away." So. It's there's no use in sending you to chase them because they know you guys are after them already. So we'll have someone else do it. Good job. You can go home. Yeah, and if you're if you're playing in a you know a longer campaign or something, in uh, you know the, sorry, if you're playing in a longer campaign or something, just have them bring you know bring your shooty agents to the next opera, and you know you, they'll take the intel from the guys who figured it out, and you know take the fight to the bad guys. And I've always advocated for some kind of system where you have. Like a you know a smart <laughs> a smart agent and a shooty agent. How do you tell which one's which? Uh, the smart agent um is a better sh- I don't know I don't have a I don't have a clever way to respond to that. I was trying to guess that someone's smart agent is a better shot because they know when to shoot. Shooty agent just shoots everything, but uh, I'm fucking I don't know, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> if you have to ask, you're not the smart agent. <laughs> <laughs>